Hello, folks. That's good. That's a good start. Good start. Yeah. Yeah. I get to. I get to be the, take the lead. I, I'm. I got the lead. Okay. We'll start over. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is all staying in. I'm practicing now. I'm practicing. Uh, this is the. This is a, a fabulous podcast. Produced by uh, uh, Brandon Brzezinski, who's right there. Say hi, Brandon. Hello. And it's called the Old Naturalist, and I am uh, the Old Naturalist, Eric Durbin, and we're here to talk about. Uh, birds, birding, nature, uh, current events in the in the in the natural world, and what what are you talking about today, Brandon? I believe uh, you are going to tell me all about Laurel Van Camp. Okay, we're going to take a step back into time. Laurel Van yes. Camp. Yes, uh, and I know a little bit about him, but uh, you you knew Laurel, you birded with Laurel, um, and so you know it's nice to have firsthand knowledge. Right, and I, I I'm lucky that way. Because I did know some of the greats of the past, mm -hmm. and I know some of the greats of the present, and so I can tell a story or two. So Laurel Van Camp is a contemporary of, of Lou Campbell. Right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, I think Laurel was born in 1904. I wrote it down someplace. <laughs> and Lou was born in, my God, Lou was born in 1899. 1899. Okay, yeah. So, so uh, uh, Laurel is a young snapper, five years younger. <laughs> They, uh, Laurel lived to be 90-something, and Lou came 99? Well, 98. He came okay. darn close. He got yeah. almost 100. And I think walking the dikes. Those men spent all their their years outdoors walking dikes and walking fields and, and, and fishing and hunting and breathing God's air and Stay looking, active. At, looking at birds. And right. I think that kind of vigorous life was, yeah. was, was good for him. And yeah. I... I, I didn't do that myself. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the thing that these guys have in common, we talked about Luke Campbell another episode. Uh, these guys are like um, they're like the the pillars or the founding fathers of of the Toledo Naturalist Association. They are not only did they actually found it, I mean, actually were important members. They were the exemplars. They're the people that we that we emulated, wanted to be like, right. because of all the great things they did in local. Uh, natural history. One of the key differences uh, that we've talked about Laurel Van Camp before, and may, maybe not a key difference, but one difference between him and, and Lou is Lou's day job is not uh, a field naturalist uh, you know, or, no, or anything no, to do no. with nature at all. He's uh, working for the railroad or something like uh, well, that. Well, yeah, as, as a, a, I could say engineer. Yeah. I don't think he was an engineer like, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> no, not with a bandana. No, I think he did uh, drawings of... Uh, tracks and things. Okay. I don't know exactly right. what he did, but he, <laughs> he was not driving the he train. He didn't drive the Yeah. He had no cow catcher. <laughs> so, but Laurel on the other hand. Laurel, area. I think I, I think Laurel spent most of his career in uh, working for the state of Ohio as a game protector and then later as a state biologist. Okay. And he, of course, as a game protector, he had to get out there and uh, enforce the state hunting laws, fishing law regulations. A tough job, a tough job, right. um, but he always found time to do a little bird watching in between, the rascal. It's amazing how and, uh, you can always find time for that. Yeah, so he, he had that advantage over a lot of, uh, of uh, other birder naturalist types who have to teach school or right. go to the insurance company or, right. or the, 
balance books or something. He's already know. out there yeah. doing something with his job. But he was uniquely he was qualified for it. He was I mean he had the he had the uh, the drive. He, he spent a lot of time. Uh, he had certain hitters, uh, and Birds of Prey were way up in the list. He loved to keep track of owls and hawks and eagles. He it was his specialty, um, and he's best known, probably best known for two things, and one of them is his, his study of screech owls. He spent. A lot of time uh, banding, finding and banding screech owls, and a lot of things we know about screech owls in Ohio and you know in the world is uh, due to his work. He banded over four thousand nesting uh, screech owls. That's unbelievable. Uh, I had a I was looking at a paper he'd written for said the University of Michigan's collection anyway uh, in like nineteen seventy six, seventy seven and seventy eight. He went. He looked in the same 150 wood duck boxes each year for the, or at least those three years. I mean, I, who knows what else he did? He wrote a little paper about right. th- these three years, and uh, again, as a game protector, uh, well, see how jumping. I'm, I'm jumping around. I'm. You can't <laughs> keep you on track. Can't keep, your job is keep me on track. <laughs> okay, well, you're all right so far. Uh, because of the hunting pressures in the past, uh, ducks became kind of hard to find. There was a drive to save the wood duck, which is a beautiful local duck, nester locally, but it's a cavity nester. So the state of Ohio and volunteers and other just landowners would put up these wooden wood duck nesting boxes. And and so Lou was checking those, or I mean, uh, Laurel was checking them anyway for wood ducks. But he also then made the extra step of checking it for saw it out, uh, sorry, for screech owls, for screech owls. Screech owls love to get inside those boxes and they'll use them for uh, dens or nesting spots or, and they like to eat in there. They like to go inside these wood boxes to eat their dinners mm. because the the big owl, the great, great, the great horned owl, will eat them if they don't, That's right. if they don't watch out. Yeah, when you're, co- when you're calling in an owl, you kind of have to Worry about that, I guess. Uh, if you're calling in a screech owl, I don't worry about it. Well, you just you just have to time it properly. You have to right. You, you, you play your tape for the little owl first, because we play the tape for the big owl. You don't first, want to bring him in. The little owls will never come in. That's right. So you'll do is the little owl first. You get a little owl, then you play the medium-sized owl, the barred owl, right. and then he might eat the little owl, but you don't care. <laughs> And but then you circ- play. The, then you play the tape for the, the great horned owl, and he eat either medium size owl or the little owl. This is the circle of life, I guess. Yes. You know, I got to keep you on track. Okay. So, so, so Laurel is checking wood duck boxes. He's finding screech owls in these boxes, but he's also he's also climbing up trees for those screech owls too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any any kind of uh, nesting cavity. Well, because he's also banning owls. I mean hawks. He he bans eagles. Wow. He was one of the first people to spot the fact that the eagle population along Lake Erie was in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Maybe a, a new birder, a new naturalist, doesn't realize we had an almost total collapse right. of eagles uh, just a couple of decades ago because of DDT and uh, lead shot and guns that would poison the eagles. Right. Um, yeah, making making the eggs making the eggs yeah. thin and and that they would not have successful yeah, yeah. clutches. Yeah, what happened was, just to be a little lead shot, the lead shot would be going into, into the ducks, but the ducks that were not killed by the hunters, right. they, the ducks would be flopping around down on the ground, 
the eagles would catch them, fly away with them, and eat them, and they would swallow the lead, the lead shot that was inside of the duck. Right. And it and it made their egg shells, their shells of their eggs thin, that would break under their own weight as they were sitting on them. Mm-hmm. Also, they got lead poisoned. They couldn't see straight, and they'd fly into power lines and buildings and things. So you killed them two different ways with lead shot. But that's been crazy. Yeah, people, you're absolutely right that people today who live along Lake Erie or even away from the lake at this point, I mean, you can live out in Bryan, Ohio, near the Tiffin River Wildlife, or, or Archbold, the yeah. Tiffin River Wildlife area, and, and it's, you know, to... To use one of your phrases, or uh, friend Greg, you know, uh, uh, the dirt, it's a dirt bird. It's a dirt now. bird. You can't, if you, yeah, if you don't see an eagle every day, it's, uh, you know. You can certainly see as many eagle. you can see an eagle if you want to. This, this, it's like, right. it's not on every street corner. Right. But if you go down to the river or the lake, you can see one. Yeah. They're there. So Laurel has, so Laurel has, see, I would never even bother to do that. But he, he doesn't have any fear to take a gigantic bird and, and band you know, or is he banding? Well, I don't have his first hand accounts of his okay. eagle nest. Oh, these would be, yeah. When you band birds of prey, they are almost always nestlings. Okay. You have to use a very fancy sort of like a bow trap to catch an adult, wow. adult okay. uh, uh, bird of prey. So, But you'd be being attacked by the parent of the, of the <laughs> nestling. <laughs> and if the parent was a full-grown bald eagle yeah. or a full-grown Great horned owl. owl. That would be. It bad. could be nasty. Yeah. And they, there, you'd have to be taking steps to protect yourself. Right. Uh, I don't know how he did it, but people do use, you know, guards and helmets and shields and right. all kinds of stuff. You know. Shield. So, so he's, so he, he does that. Now, the the other main thing, yeah. right, that 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 he does is is the establishment of something. Right? Yes. Um, uh, the lake. Front the mom the lake uh, Lake Erie waterfront Lake Erie yes Lake Erie waterfront is a well known barrier to bird migration in the spring. Birds come up in the south, heading north to the nesting grounds, and they slow down and stop along the lake. So there's always been this search along the lake to find the spot we can see the these northern migrants piling up, piling up, and it's it's there's a dream of this place where it's just swarming with birds resting and feeding before they cross Lake Erie. And in fact, it happens along the lake. And it, and Lou Campbell, now we're talking about Lou Campbell now, he had already found a really great spot, Little Cedar Point, which he was active in in the 20s, maybe the 30s. But then they started, the, the, the migrants started declining there. Uh, Laura Van Camp, several years later, found a even better spot uh, further further east at an area we call Crane Creek, mm-hmm. and and now it's part of the McGee Marsh Wildlife Area. And he noticed uh, in his making his rounds on his, on the job and also birding that they were abundant, numerous warblers in the spring there. And he, I think it was they bought the state of Ohio bought. The land that became McGee Marsh in 1951, I think. Okay. 
and around. You can fact check that, listener. Yeah, you can yeah. Yeah, check yeah. that. Yeah. And, In and fact, you should, should. We encourage you to. Right. Don't. <laughs> by the way, don't believe anything I tell you. Uh, it's like a it's a guideline. It's like a lead yeah. on what you want to find out. 51, 52. Well, well, why? It's not important. Whatever. You know. Yeah. And there's some discussion. Oh, it was fifty one. It was fifty one. They were. Okay. Right. Because there's a little discussion about uh, when and where the bird trail was discovered and who by who. Mm-hmm. And we and we talked about this discovered, you know, became aware that there was there was a concentration here. Right, right. Became aware because the birds were doing this on their own. We just didn't know about it until Laurel tipped tipped us off. Mm-hmm. Laurel found this that this is where it's happening. Laurel seemed to have become aware of this concentration around nineteen sixty three in the early sixties. And he sort of found himself sort of made up a little trail. Oh, at that time, uh, Sato had, had purchased this land along the lake in 51. They made most of it into McGee Marsh wildlife area for hunting and uh, for duck hunters and geese hunters. But a lot, right along the lake itself, there was a 90 acre parcel they called Crane Creek State Park for bathers and picnickers and things like that. Well, right behind the parking lot for the bathers, the, the, the beach users, there was a woodlot on the McGee Marsh property that was on a, uh, a, uh, a ridge, uh, a wooded ridge in the marsh, mm-hmm. and that's where the birds were. And so Laurel established a little trail off the parking lot into the woods and laid out a little path through the, through the, the, the box elders and cottonwoods and Dirt trees, dirt trees, and yes. dirt plants. Oh my gosh, the stinging nettles! And it was it was a horrible place. And lots of bugs, but guess what? The birds, the little warblers, are going north. They want they want those little midges. They want those mosquitoes. They want those gnats. All right. They want that stuff, and yeah. they loved it. That that trashy, messy woods. That terrible woodlot. Oh yeah, it was cold yeah. to them, and of course it's all surrounded. At this point, a lot of the rest of the lake front has been changed into agriculture or marinas and things. Right. So this is a, a sort of a rare wild area at that time to I think you've said in the past, like if you look at a if you look at a, a you know satellite image, it's like an island to them. You know? It's gotta be an island. It, it, there's right. just because south and west and east of there, away from the lake, it's, it's just agriculture. Agriculture. Flatlands, flatlands yeah. full of beans and corn. Otherwise known as monoculture, you know. Yeah. yeah. Right. Great so um all right. So so he, so if you haven't figured it out by now, listener, if you've been out to McGee Marsh, uh, the the famous boardwalk now, I don't know, I don't know if we want to necessarily get into, you know, the, the politics the, of it. Well, the, certainly not the politics, but even the establishment of the, you know, why it's a boardwalk as opposed to that might make a bit, that different episode, right? And where um, I can really rant and rave. You could you could you, you could spend some time on that for yeah, sure. True, yeah, um, but I think we'll we'll end with. We kind of did the same thing with Lou Campbell. What kind of a person is this guy? Yeah, uh, he was widely recognized as a great uh, naturalist, a great birder. His his um, his work with the screech owls. He wrote a, a, a an art a, a, a monograph, a a scientific paper just about his uh, his work with the the, uh, the screech owls. He was maybe a little grumpy. Because you know his life, he spent his life tracking down um, 
bad oh, actors and yeah, the margins. Guys who are cheating and hunting. Cheating and hunting. Didn't follow the rules. Yeah. And then the rest of the time he's being approached by idiot bird watchers telling him what they saw and who, <laughs> and he knew they were full of baloney. So, Could you, did you ever? Uh, uh, I did that. Yeah, you did I, that. I, I did, okay. Of course right. I did that. Yeah. But he forgave me. And so, yeah, <laughs> you know, he was a great guy. And he was, I think he was the first ever. The Tennessee National Association had been around since 33 or so. Right. It was until 1957 that they gave their first Nationalist of the Year award, and they gave it to Laurel. Laurel Van Camp's the inaugural winner of the Nationalist of the Year. It, it sort of established it because, okay. and uh, he be, he was named uh, he was named to the Hall of the ODNR's Hall of Fame. Okay. Uh, he's uh, he's a big deal. He, he was the he was the real McCoy, okay. and knowing him was a was a privilege, and the work he did alongside of Lou Campbell, Harold Mayfield. Uh, Larry Hyatt, uh, you know, uh, John Stofflet, these guys, uh, he was one of the giants. Right. One of the giants. So so as far as he, maybe a little gruff, maybe a little rough around the edges, but maybe once you get to know him, Isn't that an okay article, guy. Article, that's, yeah. article. Okay. <laughs> I think he was. No, I don't know how, what I'd be able to say. He, he was, I, I love the guy. He was a great guy. Very good. Good guy. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, we hope you hope you enjoyed the episode there about Laurel Van Camp. Uh, he uh, worth worth looking into, and uh, next time you, you you see a screech owl, uh, you know a lot of what we know about screech owls in Northwest Ohio, we can kind of credit him with that that knowledge. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, boys and girls, we'll see you later. Have a good one. Bye for now. <laughs>